Good evening or good day, everybody, and welcome back to the Chipman Brothers Tangent Podcast. As always, I'm Chris Chipman. I'm Bob. And um, you're probably going to hear some happy squeals from my son, Jake, in the background. He's become kind of a normal character on these podcasts um, (laughs) because his sleep schedule is changing. So there you go. Um, Just a, a word of reminder to people that are probably wondering why I sound the way I do, that I'm just getting over the flu um and uh yes i did get a flu shot um no i'm not angry that i got the flu because i got a flu shot no um you should still vaccinate your kids and get them flu shots um it just made it you know less of a chance that i'd get it i still got it whatever um so i'm feeling better yes um, as uh, as you all know and um i wanted to celebrate feeling better by doing an episode of this Hell yeah. Because because there's nothing else going on, Bob. Oh, yeah. No, nothing. Um, So just so everybody knows, we're recording this on the wee hours of March 17th, 2019. Happy St. Patty's Day. Happy St. Pat's. St. Patty's Day, which is a a very big, big um, thing around here in the Boston area. Yes, St. Patrick's um, Day, a very important and uh, somber celebration, uh, a, a national holiday in the great nation of Ireland, uh, celebrating an important uh, religious holiday, which uh, we make into a tragic and disgusting mockery here uh, as a national tradition here in Boston. Uh, so Boston, please uh, behave responsibly. And to my friends in uh, Ireland, I'm so sorry. Yes, so very sorry. Yeah. Um, so before before getting into the uh, the the news of or just the 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 main body of the important stuff people want to hear about. Yes. I am going to beat people over the head because this is the podcast they download the most. Um, because I'm still assuming that some people think all four of them are just this podcast. Yeah. Um, but whatever. So again, <clears throat> just so everybody knows. I uh, produce the Chipman Brothers Tangent Podcast with you, my brother, Bob, movie Bob Chipman. Um, I also do the Creating Geeks Podcast with my wife, Sarah, um, which is a separate entity, but under the same umbrella, um, because making a separate Libsyn for every podcast is expensive. Um, I also do the Talkbuster Podcast, which is a Blockbuster podcast, um, the Blockbuster video-themed podcast and video rental-themed podcast that um, has been going very well, and I'll get into that in a minute. Um, and I also do Shooting the Shit with Chippa, which is very similar to this show. Um, but the big difference is that instead of having Bob on the other end, I have somebody who ever wants to randomly blabber about stuff for an hour or so with me. <clears throat> so in recent time, um, first on the, uh, the Talkbuster podcast, um, the blockbuster video um, became a big thing in the news. Um, you know, and why, why would that happen in 2019? Blockbuster's been gone as a corporate entity since 2010. Um, well, first, uh, the blockbuster videos in Alaska all closed down. And the blockbuster in Bend, Oregon became the last blockbuster in the United States. And that's really cool. Um, you know, Bob and I, and a bunch of my friends, as you know, from the Talkbuster podcast, um, worked for Blockbuster video. And that was kind of the reason for making that podcast. The idea was the nostalgia, the talking about how much we loved this job, even though it was for a 
terrible corporate entity, you know, basically a, a Walmart type business that rented videos. And, um, you know, the whole idea of the podcast had been this, this, um, past tense kind of a thing, this, you know, older people, um, talking about their favorite job. You know, it's like Dante and Randall sitting there in clerks, you know, being nostalgic about, you know, a time that, you know, had is really passed and is really dead. And, you know, not much do we get in our lives aside from, you know, Star Wars reboots or, um, you know, continued Star Wars movies and, and Marvel movies that are basically fan service and kind of holding on to that nostalgia, holding on to that childhood or that younger time. But, it turned out that, you know, this blockbuster became the last in the country. Yeah. And I said, oh, man, that would be a really cool person to get on my show. Mm-hmm. And who am I? Right. Yeah. I have I have no clout. <clears throat> I'm just some kid with a random podcast. And the only pe- reason people ever listen to it in the first place is because it was your podcast. And um, that's not that true. Come sh- on. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm thanking you. Um, but then, uh, you know, I created these other ones and people seem to like them, but you know, this isn't, you know, inside edition or, or Fox news or CNN or the New York times or any of these places. Um, and then this, you know, so I would always post like joking things. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if blockbuster bend would come on my show and all the fans would re retweet it and would never hear anything from it, whatever. So all of a sudden they post this tweet about the one in Australia becoming the last blockbuster, uh, closing, sorry. And now they're the last blockbuster on the planet. And this is right around my birthday. This is happening, right? Which is, again, this is new news, guys. My birthday was the end of February. This is brand new news. In fact, new news articles are coming out, having interviews with this store still um, from this one story. And literally the day that they posted this tweet, I said, okay, that's it. I have to get them on my show. And then I look on Twitter and all of a sudden blockbuster bend likes and retweets that. And then all of a sudden they get in touch with me and say, Hey, this account is run by one of the other employees. Here's the contact information for our store manager, our GM Sandy. She'd love to be on your show. And my, my mind was friggin' blown. Right. (laughs) Uh, Because even as I'm talking to her, for an hour and a half, she's telling me, oh, yeah, earlier today, sorry, I didn't answer your um, your email so quickly. I had inside edition in the store all day. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. She goes, yeah. and this was the coolest thing about it. She said, oh, inside edition, Fox News, New York Times, they can come in all day long. But you're you're a mom and pop show. You're a you're a guy just trying to get your little thing off the ground. That's what we are. Well, there you go. You know? yeah. Yeah. And, and so that, that really touched me and meant a oh, lot. So, yeah. so I just wanted to start by saying, you know, even though it's, you know, me pimping myself and you've, you've done a lot for me too, you know, that if you guys haven't heard it yet, I'm telling you now on the Chipman brothers tangent, please, when you're done listening to this, go check out the Talkbuster podcast, check out my episode, check out all my episodes, but check out my episode with Sandy Harding from Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, and know that. Well, you might be able to go to New York Times or CNN and get, you know, a five, 10 minute interview with her. I got her for an hour and a half and she wants to be on again and other people from the store want to be on and they're going to come on the show every couple of months and keep everybody up to date. 
So my show is going to be one of the places where you're going to be able to follow along with however long the last blockbuster ever is around. And I think that's really friggin' cool. Hmm. So that's, that's one of my new shticks. Um, the other thing I got going on, um, which you also know of Bob, but I wanted to let the people know is on shooting the shit with Chippa. I had, um, a person named Ryan Morrison on who was the writer um, editor and executive producer of the film Arctic. Um, this movie was directed by a guy um, who a lot of people know, um, who goes by Mystery Guitar Man on YouTube and Twitter. Mm. Um, it was a crazy good YouTube channel that Ryan was, I guess, the technical expertise behind a lot of it. Um, and Ryan, I went to elementary school with. Um, and so I contacted Ryan after finding out that they made this movie called Arctic, which people may have heard of which has Mads Mikkelsen in it. And this movie's fantastic. I saw it in the theater, contacted Ryan, figured in a million years, you know, I haven't talked to him since high school. Would he ever have time for me? And he put aside time to be on my show as well. So I've got a two-part interview with him and his director is going to come on at some point too. They're on their way to Germany um, to film a movie um, with Anna Kendrick and Tony Collette. Um, which is the original script they wrote that they weren't able to get funding for. And it's why they wrote Arctic. So um, that's super exciting. And hopefully I'll get some info on that. So um, outside of this show, just always being great and people loving it. My other shows are on the up and up. Um, so please give them, give them a, a checkout as well. Um, and also um, to boost my Patreon numbers, um, I've got a contest going where I, uh, contacted the blockbuster in bend oregon and bought some stickers that they sell that say the last blockbuster on the planet and yada yada and i'm going to be um auctioning those off or giving those away to 20 people um on my patron list after i hit 300 so as of recording this we're in the early 220s so um doesn't take much to get me up over that bump um a dollar from a person is at least four episodes of really high quality podcasting in my opinion. Um, so if you want to pay 25 cents to hear a guy talk for an hour, hour and a half about things you like, um, please, uh, throw me some money on that Patreon. And remember, as Bob has always told you, um, this is not funded at all by his Patreon. Um, it's funded by mine. Um, so everything I do is all comes from that. Um, so I appreciate Bob, everything you've done to help support that. And, um, that's enough of me pimping my crap. Um, yes. So now to the tangent. Um, so Bob, before we get into current, current things, yeah. last time we recorded, uh-huh. we were speculating about the Academy Awards. Yes. And while everybody and their mother has covered the Academy Awards, I figured we'd touch on it one more time. Do we have so, to? Yeah. One more time. Because okay. we because we were talking about things we thought would happen yep. and pros and cons. So instead of going into too much depth, I'll just we'll just make a couple lists. A pro from the Academy Awards. Go. Um, it was nice that Spike Lee got something. That's that was going to be the first on my list. That that um, was good. That was good. I'm I appreciate it. I'm I'm starting to viscerally feel my age, which is unfortunate because my age is only 37. Right. But, you know, like I always joked that like our whole generation was old before our time because we already had nostalgia when we were in fucking high school. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, 
and you like imagine how old we'll be when we're old and like finding out that because he that that you I mean you and I are only three years apart in age difference but I think that I feel I feel like because I started following media very very young oh yeah no I I I, I, I have I'm yeah. as aged I won't say as learned in it as you that, but that I'd I, say yeah. my media age is about the same as yours. Right. So I, uh, I, it, it's surprising to me to learn that there are people who are, you know, are not like devoted film, television, whatever people who are unaware of what Spike Lee's reputation was prior to being this guy who's just kind of around and sort of a, a, a grandfatherly man who they know mainly as a figure at Knicks games and who also made movies and who just had the biggest movie that he's had in probably a decade this year. Right. Right. That That's like probably, I mean, if you're 20 years old, I said like decade, but if you're 20 years old, that means that like, you know, Spike Lee has not had a meaningful movie come out while you've been an adult, you know? Yeah. So, basically, so that, if, yeah. if you're 20, your adulthood is has, Spike Lee basically as a me um, con- or a contract director. Right. Which is, right? which is not yeah. that he hasn't, not yeah. that he hasn't made yeah. quality, sufficiently made movies. Yeah. They just but, weren't Spike Lee movies. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like how, how long ago was Inside Man? And Inside Man was still a contract movie, right, which is fine. Like it's good. Like I like Inside Man, but but like the like Spike has like Spike his has had movies that have been interesting, like The Sweet Blood of Jesus, or like uh, yeah 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 Red Hook Summer, or like things that have haven't been big deals, or things that have been kind of misfires, like Shyrak, uh, or things like uh, like She Hate Me wasn't wonderful, but uh, and and now he's had uh, Black Klansman, which I thought was great. But yeah, uh, I'll get that out of the way. I know we've talked about it before, but God, Black Linesman was great. It was great. And so now I think that it's it's fascinating to me that there's a whole generation of people who are like 20, 25 years old who have no concept. And and I didn't realize that this guy who now for them is is like immortalized as this this diminutive sprite like small like magical papa smurf figure in the audience who is friends with nick fury is is now the 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 conception they have of this man was when i was growing up was regarded universally by the media as like maybe the third or fourth most terrifying black man in america after it went like Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, and Spike Lee were like the three black guys until OJ that every like white person in media thought was going to like call down like the race war on the world. Right. And and now there's like a whole generation like Honest Trailers did uh like their their and like Honest Trailers as is one of those like internet comedy things and you know, I shouldn't even make this joke because, like, you know, speaking of, you know, things that are on the internet that aren't as funny as they were 10 years ago, uh, you know, uh, oh. on... <laughs> well, I'm not as funny as I was 10 years ago, but, True. Uh, True, but I guess. Th- that, that's why I shouldn't make that joke. 
But uh, honest trail, you know, is one of these things that, like, you know, some like, you know, everything like honest trailers or how it should have ended, you know, are all very funny. They've been out like you by now. You've kind of heard the joke, right? Exactly. Right? You know, and still good. But every once in a while, they do pull out a winner, and their Oscar thing was very on point, very yes, sharp. It was. And their thing on Spike Lee was sort of mentioning that a lot of their like acknowledging like our audience hasn't watched Spike Lee's movies and then kind of chastised. It's like, really? You haven't seen Do the Right Thing? Stop watching Infinity War for five minutes and watch Do the Right Thing. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, so you've heard of Spike Lee. Yes, the guy at the Knicks games. Anyway, his movie's really good. So, uh, and and uh, and uh, and it's great, you know, so good on them. And uh, and I'm glad, so I'm glad, so that, so that was the good thing at the Oscars. There were a couple. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked... I, got, I, I got, liked not having yeah. a host. Yeah, that was fun. I got, you know, Spike Lee won, and I got to see uh, uh, Gemma Chan walk in front of a camera a couple times. That was uh, that was nice. Yeah. And Black Panther won a couple of awards. Yes, it did. It didn't win uh, the one that I wanted it to, but... Eh. No, and so so we'll just leave it with the one... I mean, the, the, the con of the entire thing could be summed up with, they gave fucking Green Book an Oscar. Yeah, they gave a, an Oscar to Green Book, which is, you know, it's not like... I mean, we called that. Yeah, it's it's not even offense. That's the thing is like Green Book isn't even offensively bad just for like the fact of itself. It's just it's so it's such an uninteresting movie. It's just so like at least like when they gave it to Crash instead of Brokeback Mountain because they didn't want to give it to a gay movie. Like, and I don't love Brokeback Mountain. I think Brokeback Mountain is like super dated, and I didn't even think it was like the best movie like that at the time. But I I got the significance of it. But, like, at least Crash is a super bizarre, weird swing of a movie. You know, like, even if, if like, uh, like Crash is sort of like, uh, it's like Magnolia if someone's mom wrote it. It's still pretty fucking weird, you know? Yes, that is a perfect example of yeah. Crash. Right, but, like... If like Magnolia, if it, Mac Magnolia, if it's on the New York Times bestseller list or, like, the Oprah Book Club. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's... Like, like at, at least, like, like the help is a super safe kind of, you know, uh, like, uh, like that the help is a really safe, milk toasty kind of, hey, you know, race racism can be solved by white people feeling bad about themselves kind of movie. But at least the help has an entire scene beat around, built around someone eating a poop pie. You know, at least, right? At, like, at least, at least there's kind of like a big weird kind of bit of business in there. You know, like Green Green Book would be it, Green Book is too safe and like basic of a movie, like compared to Driving Miss Daisy. Oh boy! You know, like at least Driving Miss Daisy has the spectacle of it being like legends, like Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy in a movie like in a movie like that. You know, this has you kind of have the weird spectacle of uh of of Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali doing, you know, these kind of uh, cartoon character things where Viggo Mortensen is, you know, playing this like cart. Well, he's, he's like this cartoon goomba, you know, of, uh, hey, no, I don't think black guys is people. Oh, no way. Now I do. Hey, how about that? What? I'm driving it. And, and Mahershala Ali is unfortunately convinced that he's in a real movie, but he hasn't been given like real movie dialogue. So so he's like very seriously intoning like very basic bits of that you know 
Mr. Vallelonga, I am giving you very basic readings of a smart black man in the 1960s. And it's, it's, just, it's just kind of a, a dreary sort of movie. And it's, you know, it's whatever, fine. But I don't know. It's like, it, it's the sort of thing that you don't want to get worked up about because like it could have gone to literally anything else and it would have been like, whatever. Like they could have, like they could have given it to Roma and it's like it, like there's a certain amount of you know like I I really I wanted to see it go to Black Panther mainly because I wanted to watch the the world burn as people just lost their minds of like no you cannot give an Oscar to a superhero movie and also to have people go no it's it's a Marvel movie they gave it to it because Disney bought the Oscars and they only did it because it's black and it's social justice and me yes. and 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 I and and on the other hand watching you know like. You know, watch to to watch like the nerd community decide whether it was going to celebrate that a superhero movie won or complain that it was a Marvel movie about black people, and right. you know, and and like that would be fun. But like, re what more substantively? Even though I wasn't someone who was like in love with Roma, I thought it was just fine. The the idea that it was probably going to go to that and then didn't because a lot of older Academy voters looked at it and said, no, not a Netflix movie. We don't like their distribution model. Yeah. Sucks. That sucks. Even though I'm not fond of Alphonse Cuaron for personal reasons. Oh, you and, don't even have to say personal reasons. I'm, yeah. I have an autistic daughter. Yeah. I'm right. fucking bullshit at him. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, yeah. Yeah. Don't, and, and I, and I love his movies. Yeah. Don't and support. I am, yeah. And I am bullshit. Yeah, don't don't support autism speaks. They're a bad charity. Yeah, they fucking suck. They they're they're eugenicists. They support uh, bad policies. They are give, absolutely eugenicists. Give, give give your money to other uh, to to other organizations. Uh, yeah. So that. Yeah. So uh, that got dark. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so they, I, I'll, I will. I mean, the Oscar rhetoric has gone on. I just wanted to close the loop. But yeah. yeah so so there were a couple of good things. A lot of not so good things. <laughs> At least they didn't have a host. Yeah. And the awards, the awards that were gonna be put on at commercials actually got aired. Yes, which yes. in my opinion That's is true. is the biggest success there. Yeah. Um. So, uh, with that, you know, we get into we should just start calling this a segment on the tangent now, where yeah. we just talk about things that have to do with Marvel. Yeah. Um. So before we get into the new Marvel movie that's in theaters that we yes. didn't get a chance to talk about on here, um. In that, on basically every podcast since this started in July, um, we have been reminding people that Disney needs to fucking shit or get off the pot and rehire James Gunn. And um, for those of you that don't know, and if you don't know, what the fuck are you doing listening to this? James Gunn was the writer and director of the Guardians of the Galaxy films, who was shit canned by Disney off of the third film um, at the time in July because uh, um, a bunch of crazy alt-right people decided that they were upset by tweets he had posted 10 years ago and um, used that to remove him, even though what they were really angry about was that he didn't like the president. Um, so with that, um, it looked like it was inevitable that he was just never coming back. Right, Bob? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it looked, you know, it, it was a, well, it was a weird situation because he, they, they, they bounced him right the hell away. Like it was, it was really, really fast because they did it during 
the the guys who who they did who, it during Comic Con. Yeah, it was it was because I was at Comic Con when this happened, and it happened right quick. You know, and it was it 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 just popped right away. I mean, and, he literally he was like an hour away from doing a Hall H presentation on Brightburn. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was right there, and it was it was over the weekend, and they, it was. You know, everyone from all of the big Disney guys were like out of the, out of the t- out of town, out of the country doing stuff. And uh, I believe it was Alan Horn or whomever at Disney made made the call and just said, "Okay, he's out, he's gone, he's off the movie." And people were shocked that it went that way. Uh, and this was, of course, you know, they like this. This was not a Me Too thing. He was not accused of harassing anyone. He was not accused of doing anything to anyone he was accused of having made jokes about other stuff 10 years ago. And, right. and we, and we've talked about yeah, this before. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy is a, is a trauma trauma films graduate yeah. who are not known for being the most politically correct or socially conscious group of people in the world. Um, their, their entire way of carrying themselves is like that, that punk rock, you know, I can fucking say or do or show you whatever I want, and there's yeah. absolutely no comeuppance for me on it. And he carried himself that way for yeah, a long yeah. time. Um, yeah. It's it's and bizarre. I and I got and I gotta say, you know, in in looking back on it, in light of all of it, he posted like a five bullet apology and like acceptance of it on Twitter, and then went silent. Yeah, for eight months has it been now? Yeah, yeah, it's something uh, like that. Yeah, he's as old. It's as old as my son, basically. Yeah, yeah, this it, story. It, yeah, it's nuts. And they, they, they did him right away. And my immediate, because what, what no one was expecting was they, they bounced him right away. Which at the time was when, uh, you know, like Harvey Weinstein had just gotten done, and all of this stuff had gone down, and people had it had become just a thing for a while that you just like you got it right away. You know, he got it. Roseanne got it. You know, all you know the the legitimate people were getting it right away. <coughs> so, well, the, and, the, and 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 as you mentioned, Roseanne, before before we get into the new news about James, can we set? I know we did this on the first podcast. We talked about this, but we need to set a line in the sand about the difference between James's thing and Roseanne's thing. Yeah. So why why don't you um, expunge on that a little bit? Well, people have said that, like, okay, this is James Gunn getting a second chance. I don't know if this is his second chance or not, but if you want to talk about second chance, here's the problem with Roseanne. The show was her second chance. Yes. The show, not fuck a second chance. The new Roseanne show was Roseanne's, like, fifth or sixth chance. Roseanne has fucked up in that industry like a dozen times she has burned every bridge behind her by being a hateful mean person who you know f's over her castmates and says awful things about people you know politically socially whatever in all things you know they brought her back on this show basically under the understanding of will you please just behave so everyone can get paid so you and everyone else can get paid and she couldn't manage it right and, and that was the like the, and, the sh- and there's there's your main difference yeah a man a man regardless of if regardless of the content of what he posted yeah he posted some gnarly nasty awful shit that was yeah. not funny 
and whatever. But he did not do anything. Yeah. Outside of post those things. He did not do the acts that were being posted about. But also leaving all of that off the table, regardless of what the action or the post said. Because he could have been posting freaking pictures of SWAT stickers like fucking Roseanne. Regardless, even though it's it sucks and it's awful, it was before he was an employee of the Disney Corporation. Yeah. And obviously, either was worked out with them upon hiring, which publicly it had been said was something that he had already been raked across the coals a little bit before at the beginning and was already solidified and brushed under the carpet. Yeah. So... Roseanne and all the stupid crap that she did still before she was employee on her new show was all water under the bridge, even though it was all awful. Yeah. But then she fucked up under employee. Yeah. And when you fuck up under employee, your employer is allowed to do whatever they want. James did not fuck up under his employee of Disney. Yeah. And everyone was speculating, oh, he probably did. And they're just using this as an excuse. And so what ended up happening after eight months and all this blowback, he's back on for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yes. And even cooler, what made it seem like it would never happen is the fact that he got picked up to do Suicide Squad 2. Yeah, that's interesting. Which I'm, st- And that's still happening. Yes. Which means either that was a crazy good power move on his part, or he was kind of already back with Disney for a longer period of time than they're letting known. Because it seems like the Alan Horn thing and the Kevin Feige thing were never quite in line. Like, there was always this big outcry of people, oh, they must be. Of course Marvel is going to have other directors come in. I loved the uh, how everybody said it would have to be Taika Waititi who yeah. did um, Thor Ragnarok. And how he posted, you know, this is James's movie, I would never do it. As soon as the news came out that James was rehired... Taika Waititi's first tweet was, hey, wait a minute. What the hell? I thought I was making this. And and I thought that was (laughs) great. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that because, I mean, Marvel stuff is all more or less like pre-scheduled with very little uh, change. Like when they lost Edgar Wright for Ant-Man, they found another guy in like two weeks. And just said no. We're gonna right. we're, we're 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 gonna keep on to this. But then they still had time to basically you know get rid of the script and and start and start a new thing because apparently they really did have to start over with a whole other script because there was a lot of stuff that they had to just work out. But uh, with this, you know, th- this was the whole thing. It, I, the situation did seem to get out of their control very fast. So I do think that. Uh, they that whoever said he's gone, whoever made that initial call, which was apparently not Bob Iger, the head of Disney, was Verne Alhorn, meant it up front. Uh, but the immediate backlash from fans, you know, people putting it in their hashtags, putting it in their Twitter usernames and whatnot, was and very Dave intense. Batista and the entire he, cast. Yeah, Dave Batista came out right away, who is a guy who is already quite wealthy from sports and endorsements and whatnot, and uh, just does not comport himself like a traditional actor. And uh, although apparently mainly thinks of himself as an actor now, uh, Good for you him. Know, yeah, went out out front and said, uh, and, and said, no, I'm, I'm going to go hard for this and uh, made it there. And the rest of the cast, uh, you know, eventually including even Chris Pratt, you know, who has a lot to lose in this situation is probably like the, the most established actor in the whole thing because of this, but still, 
you know, all came out and said, no, we're, we're going to sign a thing that said, hey, Disney, we want this guy rehired. Like, people took out a billboard. This was a, a big thing. And it was very clear that this was not going to go away. And, you know, people had said that they were going to meet with other directors. Who should this be? He's not going to get rehired. The, the Comics Gate babies were all over it of, no, he's not going to get rehired. Everyone, And it was very clearly, even the guys that <coughs> led the stupid campaign to get this done were very upfront about how, you know, we don't actually care about James Gunn or what he did, but we're making an example of this because this is what you do to people we like, like Roseanne. And uh, I guess now they like Louis CK uh, or they're pretending to. And, and yeah, the, he, this, he, he rebranded yeah. himself as right. a mega comedian. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you do this to people we like. So we're gonna do. We're gonna show that you, we can do it to guys you like too. So yeah, uh, this is this is what your outrage culture does. And so this this was like their scalp, and it, it was just such an ugly scene. But my assumption, like I did two videos about this. I'll probably do another one. Now uh, I'm gonna have to, and uh, I want to. My assumption was because I've seen smaller versions of this play out before on other movies and TV shows and productions was that they knew that they made a mistake early on and that they were going to have to let him back, but they can't bring him back in a way that would look, that would look like people admitting that they'd done wrong so that they would wait a while and they would say, okay, uh, he is contrite. We're going to let him back on in some capacity and it would be like, I've, I've learned and, you know, gone through changes and, you know, sought my spiritual advisor or something, you know, gesture which, of hand. Which just, I give him yeah. credit for. He led with that. Yeah, he did. He did. Which you I know, think is yeah, really cool. Right. Just gesture of hand, making a jerk off motion, but you know, still, and, uh, that's me doing that. I, you know, you know, you know, you know, however he feels about it, whatever me, my hand is making that motion because I think this is all incredibly stupid, but, uh, you know, uh, the, he never should have been taken off, but my Agreed. whole, yeah, completely. My, yeah. My whole assumption was that almost was that Marvel has an enormous amount of power at Disney right now. Like they are the brand star Wars is getting there, but like star Wars has had at least one misstep with solo and they assume that the, the park is going to be a big thing, but they don't know quite how big yet it might be, a thing that makes a little bit of money, but not as huge as it they thought it would be like the MGM thing eventually turned out to be. So you don't know. But Marvel is this giant cash cow that has all of all the subsidiaries just wields like Kevin Feige just has the biggest swinging dick at Disney. So the, my assumption must have been that when he heard that this had happened, went in and said, no, fuck you, I want him back. And that they immediately started trying to figure out how and that they were going to let it play out and let him come back. And when he didn't come back right away, I thought, okay, they must be waiting for the Fox deal to clear. And when the Fox deal eventually clears and this is no longer a thing that's going to be a problem that'll stop that from going through or get in the way of it, then then he'll come back through. And as it went on and as the Suicide Squad thing happened, it started to look to me like, oh, wow, I, I guess not. Maybe I was wrong about this. Maybe they really are going to hold back on it. And they were talking about, no, we'll keep his script, but they won't. Uh, uh, I I was getting close to taking the hashtag out of my name because it was starting to look a little hopeless. Right. Uh, you know, I 
my only regret now is that now that it turns out, no, I was right. They because now the Fox deal is going to clear next week, apparently on Wednesday, and now he's back. So, uh, the my only regret now is I feel bad that uh, because I heard that this job was this close to being handed to that uh, promising young uh, mustacho newcomer, James John. James John, yes, G- yes, James James John, formerly Guy Incognito, was uh, was going to make his big break directing this movie. That's awesome. Yeah. I had always thought, you know, they would have just given it to his brother, Sean. Mm. You know, Sean is directing this film. We swear. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Gunn is directing this film. He's always on the phone. Just, uh, you know, just, just, just don't ask, don't ask questions. And I, and I, and I like Sean. I think he's the shit. So yeah, I, he is. I, I think and, that'd yeah. be really cool. Right. And Sean is still like this, like the, the reason I still held out a little bit of hope was because for all of the talk, if they were meeting with people, we would have heard. Exactly. That's like, like yeah. you said, like, look at like solo solo. They had Ron Howard on when the two, when Chris, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller came out and said, we're not doing the movie anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's just, and they were still on it as executive yeah. producers. They don't let this stuff, you know, go this long. Yeah. Whether I, he, they were either just going to cancel it. Right. Or he was coming back. Right. And, um, yeah, and, and, and also, and the way that movies are made, I think people need to recognize this. If a movie is in desperate need of a director, studios like have people on yeah. who, who can do this. Like, well, they pe- can pe- give it to yeah. second unit people. I mean, that's right. basically yeah. where we got the, um, the Russos. The Russos from, and they're incredible. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, they're yeah they're good. Like this, this was a thing. Like when Captain Marvel was coming out, one of the uh, when well, when it was ramping up into production, uh, a woman who ultimately did not take uh, the part had gone in for it, and she said in an interview that uh, when she went in, that uh, Marvel told her that we that uh, she said, you know, I haven't done an action movie before, and they told her that's okay. We're looking for someone who's good with character. Some we we've got people for the action, and what they meant was that we have like we we, we've spent an ungodly amount of money on the best second unit action directors basically in the business right to to to, to throw the action stuff in for these movies so if you are good with action good but like if not like you know ryan coogler does action and participates in the action shooting of his movies but like black panther had a second unit team yes they did you know because like he hadn't directed you know, like uh, CGI airplanes crashing into things before. You, you know, he 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 had gone from Fruitvale St- Station to Creed. You know, to like Fruitvale Station is a movie about people partying in houses and then on a subway. And then Creed is like the biggest scene in Creed is like you know a bunch of motorcycles going down the street and uh, a tracking shot to a boxing ring and and. Right. Like from that to you know epic outdoor battles, and you somehow have to turn rural Georgia into Africa. Good luck, you know. Yeah, you're, good, you're, good, good luck. This is your third movie. Yeah, your third. Have a nice your, day. Yeah, your third, your third movie. You're 32 years old. Good job. Yes. So yeah, here but, we go. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that's how that stuff has to work. So Just remember, they, it's taking it's taken John Favreau like six to get here. Yeah, so you, you're, yeah. you're doing it in one. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got like second like if if need be second unit people would have taken over Guardians to one of the other directors would have taken it they they would have had well, uh, yeah I but, had always yeah. said that the thing that probably would have been the least fallout from fans would have been if it was the Russos 
if it was just the, say the Russos made it, yeah. you know what I mean, and just call it a day. Yeah, it would have been like the Russos did it, or if one of the actors wanted to wanted wanted to right. direct something because, like that. Because but, if you look at Infinity War, Infinity War feels everything in Infinity War that's not um, world building for the for the Thanos stuff. It is full. I, I'm sorry, world building for the you know Avengers movies. It, it feels like James Gunn. He's like yeah. all over it. Even though the Russos directed it, it feels like a Guardians movie. Yeah, yeah. you know, and um, the same could actually be said for Captain Marvel, which we'll, we'll get into next. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm glad that he's back on because that means that you know his hand will still be in all of the uh, new movies for the foreseeable future. So yeah. that's really cool. And he is still going to do Suicide Squad too, which is awesome. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I still and probably never will have seen the originals. So, um, yeah, I'll just this will just be my Suicide Squad. <laughs> I won't have to worry about that that first one. There um, we go. So yeah, Disney rehired James Gunn. So fuck all y'all. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, and you know what, you know, and. Uh, one one thing to leave it on this is not about a guy getting his job back do you know what i mean um this is not at least about someone that needed the work yeah james was going to be fine i know mm-hmm. we've said this before this is not about like a buddy losing his job or a, an artist being like you know squashed out of money and you know a, this this is about um the politics and the the bad guys not getting away with being able to do this to a target. That's what this is about. Um, There's other people out there all day long that are marginalized. And this happens to all the time that don't get a big fan thing behind them. And that sucks. And I'm very glad that this has worked out for James, but you know, if it hadn't, it wouldn't have made it less important to help those other people out. Mm -hmm. Right. That's another thing that I want to make sure is very clear that this, you know, as, as two middle-class privileged white guys sitting around talking about a rich privileged white guy, not being able to make his space opera opera movie seems a little slight. Um, but, um, you know, it's what it really meant in the grand scheme of things. The people that got away with pulling this off shouldn't be able to get away with this because sooner or later they're going to come for, for somebody and they are already coming for people behind the scenes that um, this could really hurt lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, this was something trivial in the grand scheme of things, but it meant, it meant a lot more than that. Damn um, right. So that brings me to Captain Marvel, which I know you did a review of. Yeah. Um, I just saw it. Captain Marvel, you know, that movie that the same people that uh, um, tried to... Uh, Stop James Gunn from having his job. Um, claim nobody is seeing, and Disney is lying about the numbers. Oh God, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, th- this yeah. has empty theaters. This yeah. this movie that um you know is as big of a deal with young women as Wonder Woman was. Yeah, um, yeah. Seeing little girls react to this movie and teenage and just it absolutely amazes me. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's such a wonderful movie. I, I you know it's it's small. Mm-hmm. It's small, like an Iron Man movie, um, or at least the original, you know. Um, but a lot of the smallness, the, it means a lot. There's a lot of emotion to it. The the what they're trying to convey is very important. It's very personal. Yeah. And and I loved that about it. 
Um, I loved uh, Brie Larson. I thought she was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I want like six more of this. You know what I mean? I, you know, I'm excited that she's in Endgame. Mm. It's great that she, I mean, we knew it was going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm excited. I loved seeing Samuel Jackson being de-aged and actually having the de-aging look so good that they could have the character, like, be doing action scenes in broad daylight. Yeah. And having him look and move like Samuel L. Jackson from 1995 mm. was really cool. Um, it was, it was just a blast of a movie. I loved that the Skrulls were practical makeup effects. Yeah. It gave, it gave the emotional, um, arc they needed, you yeah. know, cause, cause if, you know, prequels, prequels have prequel problems, yeah. right? Yeah. They always will. So if you go into this movie going, yes, yes, we already know the Kree are bad. The movie doesn't really spend a lot of time trying to waylay you off of that. Instead, they make yeah. it into, you know, this amnesia thing where you're you're trying to figure out, okay, why does Captain Marvel have visions of being a person on Earth? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Let's find out what's going on. Oh, and also, um, you know, the accuser is there. And you, yeah, yeah, we know that he was lame in Guardians, but we had to bring him back because it makes sense. And oh, yeah, also the Kree are the bad guys, but she's a Kree. So forget that for a little while. And don't worry, these Skrulls, these Skrulls, they're the real bad guys. Yeah. And it, it does a really cool bait and switch with that because, of, you know, I had said this to somebody leaving the movie, and I don't want this to be taken as a slight, but this movie felt like a lot like watching a really, really high budget Marvel TV show. Yeah, it does. It, it yeah. was much more episodic and like like a monster of the week, like X-Files kind of vibe or Star Trek The Next Generation kind of thing going for it than the big, you know, Infinity War that just came. And I think I think it, we needed that. Yeah. Um, they all can't be that big. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, I dig and it. it. And it also didn't feel as small almost in a... Um, in an inconsequential way that uh, Homecoming did. Yeah, you know this was able to feel impactful while still being small. Yeah, you know I think I think it's fun. I think she's a fun character. You know, it's I all whichever version they had done it with, like Captain Marvel, just in general, was always going to be kind of an odd thing to do because like this is this character that Marvel only ever published because they needed to keep the the name because they they, they made because they made the character up in a hurry to keep the yes. uh to keep the trademark because that's what Shazam used to be called well, and, and it's that's the whole thing. So funny, right? Yeah. Because I know that it's kind of the theaters that allow this, but getting to see a Shazam trailer and Shazam yeah. looks so fucking good. It does. Um play before Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel made me so happy because yeah. it's like it's like two rival gangs like getting together and just going, yeah. hey, it's cool. You can like us both. And, yeah. and, I, and I really enjoy that um, because Shazam looks both absolutely perfect and also nothing like any of the Marvel movies. Yeah, it looks great. It looks like it, 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 it yeah. looks like what it looks like the movie DC has been trying to figure out how to make yeah. that like that new line late 80s early 90s teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah. um yeah um what was that other one with uh oh what was meteor man yeah is that the one i'm thinking like that you know those whole kind of things where it's like okay marvel's kind of cornered the market on serious superhero movies that can be funny 
we are cornering the market on serious superhero movie that exists in the real world, but it all just looks silly and you just have to accept that. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, the, I loved that, like, you know, new line look yeah. where everything's kind of rough and tumble and beat up, but this like pure good superhero is just there shoved in the middle of all of it. Um, and not like the kick-ass version of that, yeah, like yeah. the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles version of that. That's almost fantasy and almost reality all at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the perfect, a kid and an adult could watch it and enjoy it just as much. Um, a movie that really, really hit that target for me was, um, the, the Hugh Jackman robot movie. Oh, uh, real steel. The fuck was that called? Real steel. Yeah. Real steel was very much in that genre. You know, that it, it it's, it's just violent and edgy enough, but not like a Michael Bay transformers movie. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's something else, something different from a bygone era as it were. And hmm. I enjoy that. So yeah, but, uh, but back to captain Marvel. So it's, um, it's going to hit a billion dollars soon. Yeah, it looks like it. It looks like it, and it was. Uh, and I, I had, I had fun with it. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, but no, I had. No, it's not. It's, I, it's I right had, in the yeah. middle. It's right yeah. in the middle. Yeah, it, I had a good time with it. It's. I, I mean, I knew people were and were like, you know, pissy about it because they they've decided that this was the one to be pissy about, and the, these things are always like, they're always stupidly calculated, and like when they like when the, like when they decided on the uh, you know the solo boycott thing, it was. You know, they said like, "Oh no, we're we're we we are going to show that we have the power to 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 take out any Star Wars movie by not showing up. We're just going to coincidentally do it for this one that had that's had all these problems that everyone was kind of expecting to underperform anyway." You know, yeah. so so and with this one, I think that a lot of people were looking at this as a well, maybe that this would finally be the Marvel movie that what that that would underperform a little bit because historically female fronted superhero movies that aren't wonder woman have not done well like ever uh because and really no one has ever but like people like this is a character that like uh, the the carol danvers version of captain marvel carol danvers has existed like previously as miss marvel and a dozen yep. other character names like for you know 20 30 years uh the the captain marvel version of her has only existed for about the the last 10 to 15 year period that basically no one has been reading physical comic books anymore other than like long-term fans like that industry is kind of dead in the water other uh, in terms of actual popular culture like people go to comic book movies they watch cartoons the the industry itself is on kind of its last legs really outside of like trade paperbacks but uh so they were looking at this, I think, as you know, most of the most of the world has the first time they found out that this was a character was when this was the the ending tease in uh in Infinity War and all and they of had the to look up what the symbol meant yeah and they and they had to ask their their friend who knows the who knows about comics you know who who is this supposed to be and they said oh Captain Marvel it's this thing so like no one knows this character and also even when it was a male character and it was around when people were reading comic books, no one has ever cared about the Marvel version of Captain Marvel. He's never been a popular or well-liked character. They've only ever kept him in publication because they need to keep a character called Captain Marvel around to keep the naming rights. And the only reason that it has any kind of cachet is because a writer named Jim Starlin 
while they were keeping this around, used it as a dumping ground for all of the big cosmic idea stuff that he had and all of the stuff he came up with for Captain Marvel, which includes stuff like Ego the Living Planet and Thanos and all the Decree and all kinds of different alien stuff. Other writers later borrowed and seeded throughout the Marvel books and all of that became popular. But Captain Marvel itself has never been popular until they turned it into Carol Danvers, and then it became a little bit popular. But but this movie is the first time anything in popular culture has given really any of a shit about Captain Marvel. And I think that, that these guys, you know, doing the, the boycott thing were assuming that this would be a, an, uh, the first underperforming cinematic universe movie. Based on the comics. Yeah, because... You know, eventually, like logically, one of these eventually has to not work. And they were looking at it as they would say, oh, we, we'll we'll do this one and we'll say, yes, yeah, we caused this boycott. We have power. So I like I'm surprised that it's doing this well, because even I looked at it and I thought, you know, not only is like the reason people don't really care about Captain Marvel is that it's kind of a weird mix of a hero who's power set is just kind of flies around and shoots lasers and it was so not super interesting as a hook and like the universe around it is incredibly bizarre and complicated so i have no i i had no idea that anyone wanted this but i think they made a pretty good thing out of it uh you know they stripped it down and made kind of a different thing out of it and, you know, where it's like, hey, it's uh, it's Star Trek, but also there's a super lady who shoots lasers out of her hands and it's uh, it's fun. And I love uh, I've always liked the scrolls in Marvel and I really like them here because I like that the Marvel cinematic stuff is, you know, part. I like that it's so mixed up and and made of different stuff that like half of it can be like this sort of realistic stuff like Iron Man and Ant-Man where it's, hey, it's the real world. People live in houses and drive cars. And then over off to the other side, oh, by the way, there's space aliens. And some of those aliens are big, crazy, big ideas like Guardians. But also others are just guys in green Halloween masks and uh, black spacesuits, just like the Skrulls. It's like, you know, they, you know, some of some of our aliens are like, you know, big crazy ideas like a talking planet that projects itself, and others are, hey, we're green and have pointy ears and go, meh, yeah, yes, meh, exactly. we're the scrolls, meh. I love it. I, I loved that. I loved that about them. Yeah, it had a very like Men in Black kind of vibe. Yeah, the first yeah. Men in Black oh. movie. So, um, with that, you know, we we started talking about Captain Marvel. We didn't say much, but I'll. I'll say spoiler alert for this because you should really go into Captain Marvel unspoiled, but should really go into Captain Marvel unspoiled as to what the Stan Lee cameos yeah. are. And I'm going to say this plural, but I do want to talk about it. So spoiler alert again. So as if I thought I couldn't get more emotional, <coughs> excuse me, mm. than I did with the intro thing where they've taken the Marvel logo for Marvel Studios, which normally has all of the characters in the Avengers show up as it's flying up and replace them all with Stan's cameos from all the movies. I, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Right? That that And the, thank you, Stan, or something comes up. Brought a tear to my eye. But as someone who's followed his cameos in films 
for as long as he's done them. And as someone who was a really, really big Kevin Smith fan and knowing when this movie was supposed to take place, the one with him reading the mall rat script yeah. on the train is fucking gold. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. what a great tribute. And <clears throat> apparently Smith didn't know about it. Yeah. Because he posted a big thing freaking out about it the first time he saw it. Mm. So that's really cool. Which which also brings up an interesting question is that means that in this universe, Stan Lee, in addition to all of these other people who have not all necessarily been Stan Lee in, in the different right. uh, cameras, that means that the person she's meeting on the train reading the script from all is rest, Stan Lee finally. Is, is Stan Lee. So what does Stan, what, so what, what is, what did Stan Lee do in this universe? I'm not sure. Well, cause in, in the Marvel comics universe, in the comic books, it was always an established thing that, uh, I don't know if they still keep to this now or not, because who knows if they've like ever kept it up because of the sliding time scale that all of the Marvel comic books are published in the Marvel universe, they're just published right. as unofficial biographies. Uh, that well, yeah, I liked how they did that in yeah, Logan. Right. That the, that the heroes can't collect royalties on because they'd have to say what their identities are. And that the, the books obviously don't include the, uh, the parts where they show who they are. So, right. so, so the book you're reading is published in Marvel, just not the part where Spider-Man like goes home to Aunt May. Cause they don't know that there is an Aunt May. Cause that, and there's a gag like that in, uh, in Spider-Verse. Yes, there is. Where, 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 but where, if you notice, they've drawn Peter Parker to look, uh, the Peter Parker in Miles' universe looks like Peter B. Parker, uh, but does not look like the blonde Chris Pine Peter Parker that he meets. Right, at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm so old. He looks like, I'm so tired. I'm so, so tired. tired. Yeah. Oh well, my God, that I, movie's incredible. I, I love that line, and then it's that line is good, and then that line's a real kick in the nuts yeah. later. When Peter we Parker, out. who died at 24 years old. You're like, what yeah. Fuck, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, like he's he he already sounds like the like the weary veteran by that point, and he and we find out that he's like he he's 24. It was insane. Yeah. Like no wonder no wonder the other guys all messed up. Right. They lived. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um. So another thing I wanted to go back to your comment on the, the terrible people trying to boycott star star Wars movies. Have you seen this back and forth where they're trying to, um, I guess the fan explain to Frank Oz, that Frank Oz doesn't know as much as they know about Yoda. Oh Jesus. Frank Oz, the, the creator and voice of Yoda does not know. Yeah. About what Yoda would do in a situation because he only plays him. Oh God. Yeah. What is wrong with these people? You know, not only what's wrong with them, but the thing is I'm, I, I won't, I can't deny that, you know, I used to say that kind of bullshit about, oh, you know, oh, George Lucas, you know, me about, too. Uh, about the prequels. Right. You know, they're like, yeah, George Lucas created star Wars, but you know, such and such, you know, pulp sci-fi author, you know, got it right you know when uh when he did uh some book about uh star wars or or whatever you no, know it's a good point it all comes around full circle yeah. i mean i was talking to someone the other day about ready player one and how i like the movie so much more than the book and the movie's not perfect 
Yeah. But I like the movie so much more than the book. And it's good to see the writer, Ernie Klein, get a chance to kind of fix some of the crappy gatekeeping shit that from the novel. Yeah. You know, that it that you know can be a lot of fun when you're reading it, but it breeds this type of culture of well, I know I know more about Yoda than the guy than even the guy who created him and does the voice. Basically, Star Wars fans suck, and I'm one of them, and I still think we suck. Yeah. Um, but anyway, fandom just sucks right now. Yeah. So with that, I want to move on to a movie I missed, um, and finally got to catch up on. So I'll preempt this spoiler alert again. Yeah. Because I am not going to go through this podcast, and I think it's been a long enough time without going way, way, way in depth on what the fuck was going on and sorry to bother you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was good. First, first of all, I want to start by saying I absolutely loved it. Great, great movie. I want to I start there. Um, and you loved it too, Bob. So when did you see Sorry to Bother You? Uh, at a screening uh, last year when it uh, came out. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I just watched it le- last week. Now, Bob, you said you saw Sorry to Bother You in a theater at a press screening, right? Yes, I did. So um, before we go into exactly what happens in Sorry to Bother You, how was that seeing it with um, people, especially long before mass audiences have seen the movie? That was wild. Yeah. That was, that was wild. That, that was, it was big, and no one knew quite what to expect, and then no one really knew what to expect. And it was just, just over the top nuts. And uh, not not everyone was with it, but uh, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. I was I was I was down. So for for everybody that doesn't know, sorry to bother you is um, directed and written, I believe. Yes. By uh, by Boots Riley, yep. who's who's awesome in his own right. And holy shit, what a debut, huh? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This movie it's biting social satire in a way that. Um, Films like Idiocracy, um, God, even uh, Brazil, you, you know, hit on these things. Um, even kind of lives in a similar world to like her and films like that. It's it's a very like recent, not too distant future, um, but society on the uh, brink of collapse, yes. you know, kind of a movie. Um, but um, d- written and directed by a black man with an in, entirely mostly minority um you know cast crew um you know it pitted itself up against black clansmen um i think that's kind of a bummer I, I like i like to have a world where you know two movies hitting on similar social themes can exist of course you know um black clansmen's are high far higher and politically motivated and has the real footage um you know of uh, of the um the beatings and the protests and the, you know, um, car violence that went on. Uh, God, that was really, really, really heavy. Yeah. Um, and really put an incredible exclamation point on the point of a uh, black Klansman. But what's sorry to bother you has to say is, is so much more broad and um, much more like um, Spike Lee's film bamboozled mm. in, in, in mm. my opinion. Um, but the, the basic idea of sorry to bother you is a guy um, is, you know, not doing well financially. Um, his girlfriend who's, um, what's the name of the actress again? I, I always mix it up. She was Valkyrie, right? In for Ragnarok. Tessa Thompson. Is it Tessa Thompson? 
Am I am I off completely off the reservation here? I don't know, Chris. Are you? I don't know. I don't have a way to look things up right now. Am am I off the reservation? Let me let me look. Bob, play Google for me. Uh huh. I think it was Tessa Thompson, but um. I'm I'm ninety percent sure that it was. I'm just bad at names tonight. Yeah, it's Tessa Thompson. Okay, we can move on from there. Um, you know, she's she's like a performance performance artist. Um, you know, kind of like the the hipster like coffee shop like L.A. kind of um, you know, artist that you know basically white people would go and pretend that they get you, you know kind of artist is what it what it ends up being. But that's something for later. But. Lakeith Stanfield is the actor playing the main guy and he goes and gets a job for a telemarketing company. And I love how the movie has peppered throughout, you know, the visions of how close to collapsing the society is, you know, they basically, as you called it, Bob created like Uber for labor. Yeah. Right. So they basically like live in Walmarts. Yeah. um, Or live in like production facilities where you're not really sure what they're doing but everybody needs it. Yeah. Uh, You you know, and you don't need to know what they're doing. It's just, everybody needs it. And he goes to work for this telemarketing agency that, you know, it does the normal, you know, move up in the company type things that you'd expect even from today, you know, where, Oh, if you just get a few more sales in, they don't really know what they're selling. It's like encyclopedias or whatever. You're going to be a power caller. It's like, you think this is just complete bullshit, right? Well, um, the first hook of the movie is that in order to do well at this job as a black man, he has to put on what Danny Glover tells him is his white voice and his white voice is done by none other than David cross. And it's genius. Um, the, the, the way that, uh, the like forked tongue sort of, um, uh, social, um, humor that they get out of this is it's really on the nose and it's brilliant. And the movie is so weird, but so weird in a very consistent way. Like it doesn't get weirder than it already is for two acts. You know what I mean? Like they put you in this world and you know, there's this company in the background that's making like this Uber style labor force. Um, and his girlfriend is like the head of like an underground um, group of terrorists basically that are trying to take that company down and like spray paint and mess with their signs. And then he gets involved in like a pro union thing. That's like going around the world and taking out these shops that have ties to the big corporate conglomerates and all that. And all this stuff happens, but it all kind of, it all, it's all kind of normal within the confines of the movie. And then he becomes a power caller and shit gets weird. And, um, when he becomes a power caller, he realizes that the telemarketing company, one of their biggest clients is selling this labor force for this Uber labor company to yeah. people overseas to the China's and the Indies and everything else. And he gets hit with the, moral and ethical conundrum of am I literally going to be a black man here selling legal slavery? Yeah. Like, is that literally what I'm going to do? It's very similar to Damon Wayans's point in bamboozled where it's like, you know, have I become what I hate? Have I become the thing that I'm supposed to be against? You know, um, it's a really, really shitty moral crossroads and he goes for it 
and he fixes his relationship. He fixes um, the life of his uh, live-in uncle, Terry Crews. You know, he fixes everything for everybody, but all of his friends start to hate him. You know, and it's the normal thing that kind of happens in this story. And then he gets invited to a party at the head of the Uber for Labor Forces Company, who is played by none other than Army Hammer. And Army Hammer decides he really likes him. He's having like this big, you know, Tom Cruise sex party, you know, in his house. And, you know, everybody's blowing lines of cocaine and doing all this crazy stuff. And he takes him and invites him down to his office. And in the middle of him trying to show him this really, really shitty made pitch video for what his company does and what he's going to want him to do. He leaves to take a piss and walks into the wrong bathroom. <clears throat> he's told to go into, what is it, Bob? The Jade door. Yeah. The and jade he goes door. in the olive door. And again, <clears throat> spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what happens and sorry to bother you before you see it. <clears throat> but, um, he walks into the room, goes to take a piss, sees there's only one stall, tries to ask the guy in the stall when he's going to be done and, and I'm not shitting any of you here in this fairly normally weird movie, a horse person falls out of the stall. Yeah. Bob, am I bullshitting them? No, you're not bullshitting them. A horse person falls out of the stall. So Bob, tell me when you're in a, a theater filled with critics, especially, you know, some of the more stodgy, um, nose in the air, but probably want because they've already heard this movie um, was a big deal in the art house circuit. Want to sound like they understand what's going on and that it all means something. Did when the and, and sorry, I didn't fully describe this fully naked giant penis horse person. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were they were pretty freaked out. <laughs> you know, it was it was just sort of uh, you know like what the hell's going on, and uh, and and then kind of. Uh, the fact that it, it didn't turn out to be like a joke or something and just kind of now this becomes the plot of the movie. Yeah, this, this is what's always been the plot of this movie. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this turns out to be what the movie is about. <clears throat> so then, very shocked, our hero, if you could put it that way, Lakeith Sanfield goes back to Army Hammer's office, who has just before this made him snort a line of white substance off a plate with a horse on it. Very subtle. Um, anyway, goes back and he says, dude, what are you freaking out about? Oh, you went in the wrong door. Is what he mean? I went in the Jade door. Yeah, no, no, you went in the olive door. He goes, it would have made so much more sense if you'd seen the video and eventually talks him down into watching the video to which he shows them that they basically make their workers snort this white powder, which turns them into horse people because they can work five times as hard and eat five times as less. And eventually they have some super secret gooey, silly antidote, which he then says, you made that up. No, I didn't. I swear. Um, that can turn them back into regular people once they've done their time. He then offers Lakeith Stanfield, who is still freaking out, the job to be a sort of, as he puts it, Martin Luther King Jr. for these people, but controlled by the company to make them feel like they have hope so they don't revolt. Um, Lakeith Stanfield turns down this offer and leaves, um, thinking that since he hasn't changed into a horse person, um, that... Uh, uh, it was just regular cocaine or something. He goes back um, to, you know, his regular everyday life. Um, and then the real shit starts with the movie. Um, he had left his phone and his phone sends a message 
I'm assuming one of the horse people must have done it um, to his girlfriend who didn't watch the message. And now all of a sudden he has a video which he can go and show to the world. So he goes on. What's the name of the TV show, Bob? Like I'm going to whoop your ass or something. Yeah, I'm going to whoop your ass or I'm going to get my ass whooped. And because, you know, again, play on shitty reality TV and goes through the ringer, gets his ass whooped, ends up in the vat of shit, which they put him in at the end and then shows everybody the video, which surprise, surprise in pure Mel Brooks producers fashion causes the stock of the company that is making the horse people and enslaving all of these people um, to skyrocket which then is making the telemarketing people even more money. Um, so all this shit goes through and he decides to uh, lead a revolt um, with the horse people and go back on the uh, front line of being part of the uh, union group at the company and getting people all these rights and actually works everything out and everything works out good and then becomes a horse person himself. Yeah. And I'm assuming yeah. the way they end the movie leads a revolt on Army Hammer himself and kills him. Yeah. So that, um, you know, in a very Reader's Digest version is um, the acid trip of a mind fuck. But basically the same kind of social thing that like bamboozled and, you know, other movies like it were going for. It's fucking genius. Yeah, it is. It's it's nutty. I, I want I want the world to see it. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was great. I'm glad that it played theaters. It had a pretty decent showing, but I just can't, I still can't believe it. Like it, it's the kind of thing like, like you and I talked about how it, it could be, you know, looked at as similar to Magnolia, but Magnolia before it gets to its real weird thing kind of does a bunch of them, right? It gives you a bunch of chances to stop. This movie gets weird and then gets you comfortable with it's weird. And then when the horse shows up, I literally stopped watching it and sat back and went, I don't know if I, I don't know. <laughs> and it, it's like, it's yeah. like the movie is literally looking at you and going, do you want in? Like, this is when you have to decide. Yeah, and I yeah. said, you know what? Fuck it. I want in. And it just mm. kept getting weirder after that. Yeah. And, and God, some, some really great for the low budget that it had, um, digital and stop motion and suits and puppets yeah. work on those horses. Um, and, I, and Army Hammer was just fantastic. The, you know, you'll get to have the big horse stick, like mm. as if that's a selling point of yeah. having your your body, you know, body horror style transformed into a horse person. It's it's fucking bonkers. Um, so I don't know if he's doing anything else. I'm assuming um, he'd get a follow up to this, considering uh, it did pretty well. Well, he put it together himself, but he also has like a hip hop project that he does. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. Been involved in a few TV things. So he has stuff out, but he's not like, uh, I mean, this isn't the kind of thing that gets you like Hollywood deals or something. This, this no, is no, not, it's, it's not, yeah. but I could see, I could see writing the, oh, people like it. So I'm going to do something else kind of thing. Well, we'll, we'll see. Cause I, cause I thought it was fantastic. As did I. Um, so before I get into the final thing, which because the final thing isn't funny and doesn't regularly have any tie in to any. Um, movies, I you know it's something I feel like we have to touch on. Yeah. But um, before we get there, do you have anything you can talk about? Anything new you've seen? Have you seen us, for example? No, no I have. I have not. Um, All right. So we're, that'll we're, probably we'll probably yeah. be talking about that on our next podcast because I yeah. plan on seeing we're, it as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, we're we're in between a lot of screening stuff now, and the summer stuff hasn't really kicked in, so I have uh, nothing new to report. Good. Okay. Well then. Um, after all of the nice and happy, 
we have to talk about uh, Christchurch, Pop. Yes, we do. Yeah, that. Was, and I, yeah. I, we don't have to go into a ton of depth because the world is doing that. Yeah. But um, in solidarity, holy shit, and in living in a country that um now looks even worse in how we handle shit like this. Yeah. Yeah. After fucking seeing how wonderfully, in light of something horrible, um, New Zealand and Australia are reacting to mm. to this. Um, but for those that are not aware that are listening to this um was it yesterday bob was it the 15th yesterday yeah the 15th um 49 people at two different mosques in Christchurch, new zealand were gunned down by um has he been caught i haven't been i I try to they 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 got they got him they got him they got him i try not to pay attention um yeah. To that side of it, because I don't even like to give these fucking people that do this the time of day to even know who they are yeah. um, at this point. But uh, as uh, it's already terrible, you know, 49 lives lost the mm. the senators, not as, you know, high up, but people within parliament, you know, it's a, the world is a very racist, scary place and places with old, very white groups of people living in them um are just as bad as you hear they are here in the united states so uh yeah, yeah. um there was a what is a senator over there who said you know well, this, a, a senator from australia for australia who has said that you know basically the real problem here you know isn't that these 49 people were gunned down but that you know radical islamists were allowed into these nations at all mm, mm. The, you know, 49 innocent people gunned down are all of a sudden the bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, you know, coming at it from a place of not not having any precedent or thing I can compare to this in my life that anyone would want to do something like this to me just for what I believe in. You know what I mean? We're lucky. Right. Yeah. Um, but just in, in solidarity, I, I don't get it. And that guy is getting what he fucking deserves for saying that. Um, there's mm-hmm. that kid that egged him on camera yep. who is alive. Thankfully, I was mm-hmm. afraid that, you know, he'd get, you know, beaten within an inch of his life. And it looks oh, he, like he may, no, he, he did, he, but he, he got, made he, it out of it. Yeah. He got the um, shit beat out of him, but he, he, of course he, he, did. he, he, he took it, but he, he, good, he got good it yeah. for him. Yeah. Good for him. Um, but, uh, the, the real amazing thing to come out of it. Number one is the outpouring from people from New Zealand who are, high up and well-known and have a, a sounding board, the Taika Waititi's of the world, you know, um, like that, that are, you know, standing up and being very upfront that there's a problem in their country if something like this can happen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there's a problem with gun control laws in our country if something like this can happen. 24 hours later, right? Yeah. They passed a semi-automatic weapon ban. Yep. An entire fucking country... 24 hours later for it happening in one place shit there's probably 49 people that have been killed in the united states in the last two weeks yeah um yeah and the and the shooter is is not even a new zealander he's 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 australian he's australian in god i mean the the more news that comes out about that whether he's just a crazy person trying to get people riled up or whatever the words he used and the things he wrote yeah you know the people he pulled into it yeah. Um, the, the, the things he, I mean, this is a guy who, regardless of if he was a person that did this normally or not, it seems like he was 
posted all about this on the doldrums of the internet, right? Yep. The worst places you can be is seems to be where this guy sniffed around. Yeah. And he made it very clear that he wanted you to know that. Yeah. And he made it very clear who you wanted, who he wanted you to follow. Yeah. And who he, and he live streamed this on the fucking internet and these websites shared it and made a joke out of it. Yes, they did. What the fuck? So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so with that, I don't normally get political on this and this isn't political to me. This is a human's issue, not a yeah. politics issue, yeah. but as much as, you know, their 14 million, 20 billion, whatever viewership on this crap is the point of this show and these shows that I do. And I know the ones you try to do is to be the polar opposite of that. Um, I want this to be something happy, something that brings people joy, whether it's something stupid, like talking about horse penises and sorry to bother you, um, to something, you know, great, like, you know, connecting people to the last blockbuster on the planet or, you know, us talking about the, the wonderful tribute to Stan Lee and captain Marvel. I just want somebody to get something good out of this. And if that good can sometimes be changed away from being selfish and personal about you and I making a show and wanting to make a couple extra bucks and turn it into the thousand people that download this or a thousand extra people, additional people that speak out against shit like this. Yeah, we can't yeah. have this fucking happening, and it can't be the internet that keeps allowing it to happen. And mm. that's really what I got to say. And it's much more solemn and dark than I usually get here. But um, that's that's kind of how I want to end it, Bob. Do you have anything yeah. else to say? No, I agree. There's you know uh, courage and strength to the people of New Zealand, and uh, you know condolences to those lost. It's uh, it's it's a terrible thing. All right. And, um, until next time. Thank you all for coming along on the tangent. Thank you all. Have a good one.